Watson. God is using them to minister uh, in the church there uh, under uh, brother and sister Rabine. And uh, God knows what he's doing in that circumstance, and he, he knew they needed to be there and not here. And so we want God to use Brother Parker and Sister Parker to bless that church. Amen. It's awesome when we get to have a visiting preacher here, isn't it? Get to hear a different voice. Somebody brings something that maybe doesn't know this group, and so it's a blessing to them. Amen. And so we want them to be blessed with our pastor and his wife while they're gone. We want them to be blessed in Elton. Amen. I don't know if you know where Elton is. I've been there once. It's it's way up in the woods. It's above Shano, I think. It's way up there. It's a, it's up in the it's up yeah, it's up in the I guess what I would call the real uh northern part of Wisconsin. <laughs> but they're precious people. I love brother and sister Rabine. They're doing a great work of God and so we want them to be blessed today. And so we don't get to have brother and sister Parker here, but we, they do. And so you're stuck with me or however you want to look at that. You <laughs> blessed. All right. So just keep, just pray for me. Amen. That, that it'll be what God says and not what Vince wants to say. Um, little plug for Purpose Institute. Uh, my wife and I and 16 other students finished our last class for this semester yesterday. And Brother Bennett has been hosting this in his church. This is going on. This is the last. The, the classes go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it takes four years to do that. So two two semesters per year times four is eight, I think, still. Unless we're talking new math. So then every fourth year, it rolls back to the first course. Because the courses go in succession. So you can jump in there anytime. You don't have to start at one. You can go in in the middle. And just you just have to come back around to where the last one before the first one you started with. That makes any sense. So brother, brother Bennett and, and all the instructors really have, he, he's getting ready to start his fifth iteration of, of hosting this on this end of the state. And so I want to give a plug to Purpose Institute. We had 19, 18 students that have pretty much been in that class since I started going to PI when we came up here. And four of those are graduating with their four-year degree. And so Brother Bennett, the last couple of classes, has, and all the other instructors agree with this, that they're, they're putting it on the students to replace themselves, to replace themselves. So my wife, is she's going to do her two-year. She's going to walk across the stage at, at camp. And then I've got next semester, and then I've got my four-year. So we have to replace ourselves. So I I just want to encourage you. It, there's no age limit. I mean, I'm probably the oldest person up there, and I'm going. And is it convenient? Absolutely not. Amen. But is anything worth doing really convenient? I mean, it's not convenient really to be a college student is it but if you have a goal set and you want to reach that goal and you want to be an accountant or you want to be this or you want to be a nurse then you're willing to to do what is necessary to get to that place and what better thing to do than to increase in the knowledge of god and and to equip yourself to work in the kingdom 
a lot of these younger ones that are in there, they are equipping themselves to be more and better for God than they would be otherwise, I believe. And so I encourage you to look into it. I, I didn't run this one by Brother Parker, but I just believe that he would be okay with it. So I, as a student, I want to just give you a, I want to say that it's something worthwhile if you want to look into it. If, if you, if you go as a husband and wife, like my wife and I have been doing, one of you pays full price, the other one pays, gets a 90% discount. Right? So I pay full price for my classes and she pays 10%. That's it. And the blessing is you get to go up there and be around God's people. Some great instructors. One of them's our pastor. I'm not, I'm just going to brag, but it, it's just such a wonderful opportunity for you to increase in the knowledge of God and build yourself up. It'd be very worth looking into. You can ask my wife about it, myself, Brother Parker. We'll give you all the information. And it's not, you know, it's one weekend a month, one Friday night and all day Saturday in Eau Claire. And it's just, it's a great time. And so I encourage you all to, to look into it. Just do do as you feel the Lord leading you to do. And there, like I said, there's no age limit. I think at one time brother, one of Brother Boyd's daughters was going through that, and she was in high school, I think. And now she's at Urshan Graduate School or one of those schools down there in St. Louis. And as a result, she got to carry some of her 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 stuff down there, and it counted. And so Miriam and, you know, all these young ones that are coming up, they're they're eligible to go. Amen. So, you know, what why not? Amen. It's a great thing. It really is. And um uh, this this program is being used around the world. It really started in the mission field. Brother Ellis really started pumping it out into the mission field first, and then people in the state started kind of catching on to it. So we've got a lot of missionaries that are out there using this. In, on their national people to raise up workers in their kingdom. I know when we were in Okinawa, they were, they had a lady that her profession was translating. So they had her translating all the courses so that they could teach it to the Japanese. And so they're using this course to raise up ministers and people like that in, in that country and they're using it in other countries. They're translating it and so God is using this as a tool to what? Further his kingdom. So, P.I., think about it, pray about it, see what God would have you to do. We're going to continue this morning in the lesson that uh, was started this month. Called uh, the, the main theme of this lesson is called Core Values, Core Values. And Brother Richard, if you would come and receive our offering or Adult discipleship, Sunday school offering, whatever you want to call it. Amen. God will bless you immensely. Amen. I, I've never gone wrong giving into the kingdom of God, ever. Not once. Amen. Never, never, ever. Amen. You can't go wrong. It's better than investing in the stock market. Amen. It is, is much better return on your investment than investing in the stock market because you're planting seed into the kingdom. Praise God. Amen.
Why would you not support something that has been such a blessing to you? Amen? So we're talking about core values. And uh, last month, Sister Parker taught the lesson. Number one, if you don't have a sheet, uh, see Sister Sonia in the back and she'll get you one. Uh, the f- number one there was, was uh, what Sister Parker talked about last month was apostolic doctrine. And we, I'm going to kind of do a little brief overview of that, and then we'll get into apostolic identity. But apostolic doctrine, and that says there the Scripture in Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And as I was looking at this, it, it kind of clicked in my mind. It, it says there are the apostles' doctrine. Well, everybody has a doctrine. The Army has a doctrine. The Marine Corps has a doctrine. They're similar but not the same. The Navy has a doctrine that's based on what they do. They, they deal more with ships and water. The Air Force has a doctrine. They're, they're military, but they deal more with aircraft and things. So their doctrine is going to be a little bit different. So everybody has a doctrine. So I saw this. I just kind of jumped off the page at me and said, the apostles' doctrine. Well, where did the apostles get their doctrine? That's right. They weren't apostles at first. They were just disciples, right? And they, he spent almost three and a half years infusing them and putting into them everything that he could do, sort of like a PI class, uh, just kind of a traveling PI class, Pop Purpose Institute. He was purposing them. He was preparing them to take over, right? And, and even in the secular world, on some jobs that we have, they, they tell you that you need to start training the next guy to take over for you. Don't wait till you're almost ready to retire. Start getting him ready now. So Jesus knew he was leaving. So he, had, he, he being God, and he knew exactly how much time he needed to get them to a place where he could hand things over and say, all right, it, it's on you now. And so these, these apostles got their doctrine from Jesus. So they weren't just putting some doctrine out there. They were putting the things that Jesus had put into them. Amen? So Jesus taught them and he prepared them and he passed that they might pass it to others. Right? And that's the whole point. We have been freely given this salvation. Bible says freely you have received, freely give. They didn't hold anything back. They they shared it with whoever wanted to listen. And then and then if you read there in the book of Acts 2 and past verse 42, you you see that they went about carrying this thing everywhere they went. And what it, what were they carrying? The same thing they got from the the, the apostles, the doctrine they, they took it into their life. They made this a part of their life. They had their salvation experience, their, their Pentecost, and then they turned around and they took it to the neighbor and the next guy, and they started telling them about it. And everybody that was there on the day of Pentecost was not interested in doing this. Some did, some didn't. Only 3,000 were added. There were way more than 3,000 people there. So it's a decision that we make, and there's plenty of hungry people out there that want what we have. They just don't know they want it yet because they haven't heard it. And how are they going to hear it? They they got to hear it from us. You know, we have the opportunity. 
It, it's great if you can get them to come here, but really, he made us witnesses, didn't he? Right. Acts 1 and 8, what does it say? Come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Who's he talking to? Well, he was talking to a group of people actually in the Bible, but who's he really talking to? Because if you go on further in Acts 2, 39, it says, For this promise is unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so he was putting that responsibility on us. Those those 12 guys could not reach the world by themselves. They had to equip other people to do this. So we've received this. We've had teaching after teaching. We've been equipped. We just need to go do it. Yeah, some people are going to look at you and go, I don't need that. Okay. Praise God. You know, if you're selling Kirby vacuum cleaners, not everybody's going to want one. But you're going to eventually knock on a door that somebody's going to say, yeah, come on in. Show me your thing. Run through your, yeah, I think I'll buy one. And you, you try to be all calm and don't get all excited because you made a sale. Right? But you're going to, eventually you're going to run into somebody that says, you know, I've been praying about something like that. I, there's a young man that I'm working with now. It's just little stuff, you know, like I, when I went in, I, took one of my many Bibles, and I took it in and put it on my desk and laid it open to Philippians or something. Then he and I were just walking down the hallway in the, in the hospital one day, and he's, he just says, hey, I noticed that you had a copy of the good book on your desk. I said, yeah, I got it on my phone too. Oh, really? Yeah, I do too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I read it all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to read through the Bible. I said, yeah, I do that too. Oh, really? You know, just one thing after the other. And then the other day he was talking about he was involved in some Bible study at his church. And it's not an apostolic church. I think it's one of the other denominations that I would not expect them to be having a Bible study. Because they, they believe that the, the guy behind here knows everything and you don't need to read the Bible. So I'm, so he keeps bringing this stuff up. So there's a hunger there. He's, there's something there he sees about me that, that's drawing him to me. And so I'm just letting it kind of, you know, kind of, yes, kind of, sometimes you just got to kind of turn the reel. You don't want to pull them in too fast, right? They fall off the hook. So I'm just letting God work on him. Amen. I got to use this, this thing. If I, if I learn all this stuff and never use it, what good is it? Right? You go to college to become an accountant and you never, and you get your degree and you never go into that field, what good? You've just wasted your money. Anyway, so Jesus made sure that they had what they needed. And actually, as he was teaching them, as he was dealing with the religious people, he was also letting them know what doc, what was not the doctrine that they needed to follow. He was pointing out some things along the way, right? And he would kind of give the Pharisees and the scribes and and the Sadducees a hard time about their traditions, right? And many places in the New Testament talks about these traditions 
And a tradition is basically a doctrine or an injunction that is communicated from one to another. So, you know, the military has traditions and and organizations have traditions and things that they've done for years and, and they've done it the same way every year because that's the way they do it. And so these religious men had traditions that they had created that had nothing to do with the law of Moses. And Jesus made sure and pointed that out openly in front of them while he had his disciples standing there so that they would understand this is not what you need to be teaching. These guys, these are great guys, and God loves them too, but they're teaching stuff that has nothing to do with, and if we could say it this way in our day today, that we got to be careful not to, to not teach things that aren't in this this book right here. Right? We got to be careful. I got to be careful. That's why it's important that we know this stuff. You got to know your stuff. In one of our classes were, uh, that we were taking yesterday, we were talking about teaching home Bible studies. And one of the things that, that they emphasized in the course, in the class, was know your stuff. Know what you're talking about. Now, does that mean know everything? No. Everybody's not going to know everything. And it's okay if you're in a Bible study environment and somebody asks a question that you don't know the answer to. It's okay to say, I don't know. Because we all, nobody knows everything, right? But I'll, I'll definitely get an answer for you. And when we come back together the next time, I'll have an answer for you. Right? Because somebody's going to ask you a question in a Bible study that you're not going to right now know the answer to it. That's okay. You're in a Bible study. I, I don't know about you, but I'm still learning. I haven't arrived yet. That's why I'm taking the PI classes. That's why I study my Bible. That's why I I do the things that are necessary. I read uh, other books, and I, I try to glean information. And I'm trying to build myself up, build up my faith, my confidence in God, knowing his word. And so we're going to talk about this morning identity. Praise God. We're going to talk about our apostolic identity, okay? And so the word identity in the dictionary, it means the state or fact of remaining the same one or ones as under varying aspects or conditions. The identity, uh, let's see, the condition of being oneself and not another. The condition of or character as to who a person or what a thing is. The qualities, beliefs, etc. that distinguish or identify a person or a thing. The, the state or fact of being the same one as described. And so we, we have an apostolic identity. What does that mean? It means that we have, there's, there should be something about us that sets us apart in the minds of other people that they identify us with this thing that we believe. Whether it's the hair, whether it's our demeanor, whether it's the way that we speak, there is something, there needs to be something about us that, if you want to say it this way, that sticks out. 
And people say, aha, that person, they might not say the word apostolic, but that person is different. That person lives different. They talk different. They walk different. They act different. They respond different. They don't laugh at the jokes. They don't respond to things the way other people do. There's something different, something unique about that person. And, you know, we have things that like that in our world today that identify people. If I started telling you, describing to you a group of people that where all their all their clothes are homemade and and all the men have beards and and uh, all the women wear bonnets on their heads and and they don't drive cars I, pretty quickly some of you are already going yep i've already identified to you a group that you can walk into walmart or or see a buggy driving down the road and you identify those people by what you see right or if you see a person in a military uniform there's an identity there that you automatically identify, not just that they're military, but that all in your mind, all of the things that go along with that. Or a person in a in a a cruiser with lights on top that's driving behind you down the interstate. You immediately identify that with something. They are the law. And if you're speeding just a little bit, you take your foot back off that gas pedal just a little bit because you don't want to meet that guy. Right? But you know who he is when he's sitting in the middle of the highway pointing in one direction or another. You know. And you are it's almost an automatic response when you see that, right? We've all been there. And you just wave. No, you don't wave. <laughs> right? And so we recognize authority figures and we respond accordingly. Right? So identity is important. We have this thing in our world today called identity theft. Right? And so we have, they warn us and they advise us to be careful about who we give our information to because there are unscrupulous people out there that will take your name and your social security number. They'll steal your credit cards and they'll make themselves to be you. And they will go out and make purchases in your name. They'll steal your identity. And then all of a sudden you're getting bills and things and, and you don't understand because you didn't buy a boat and you had no intention of buying a boat, but there it is on your credit card or in your name. Somebody signed a loan with your name. Now all of a sudden you have to contact the authorities and say, my identity's been stolen. And how 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 rough is that? Who wants to go through that? Anybody in here been through that? I have a son that filed his taxes one year, a couple years ago, and they said, no, you've already filed your taxes. And he said, no, I haven't. Uh-oh, identity theft. So he had to go through the, it took him a couple of years to get over that. Somebody had pretended to be him and went ahead and filed his taxes and got his refund. So we got to be careful about protecting our identity in the natural, don't we? So why would we not want to protect who we are as apostolics in the same fashion? Because who is it that we really represent anyway? Jesus Christ. Amen? They say when a Navy vessel is in the water, going through the water, 
if you ever looked at any kind of boat, not just a Navy vessel, but any kind of boat, behind it there's these swells of, you know, waves and stuff like this. And we all think that's because of the propellers on the back, right? And some of that might be. But what really what that is is that vessel is displacing water. You know, when you send a boat down in the water, that water goes somewhere. It gets displaced out away from the boat. If you drop something in a in your tub or in your sink, what happens? The water goes splashes everywhere in your kitchen sink, right? And, and the water and soap suds go everywhere. Same thing with a boat. So all of that swirling behind a boat when it's moving forward is all that displaced water is going somewhere, and it's doing like this in the back. It's churning, right? So why can't we be like that as people of God? And that's really what, you know, that's really what it's all about to me. You know, I don't want them to see me when I walk in a room. I want them to see Jesus in me when I walk in a room. I want people to feel that there's a difference, feel something, because it's not about feeling, but when when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I felt something. I felt the presence of God. In my life, something was different. When I came out of that water in Jesus' name, something was different. There was a presence there. And I've been around those people where you just feel something just, and I want that when I walk into a room or when I walk into Walmart, I want to be like that ship displacing the spirits of this world. And I want people to look at me and say, there's something about that. We were walking through Walmart in Eau Claire Friday night. And this woman that doesn't know my wife or I from anybody just started telling me all about how wonderful and lovely my wife was. And she was just an employee there at the, at the, at the Walmart. And we're looking at each other like, what? I just walked away from that and I thought, what did she see? What was she really seeing? What was she, you know, I, I, in the spirit, I thought, you know, we're, we're just walking through Walmart buying stuff, and she just stopped and started talking to my wife. Uh, this is, you know, just saying all this stuff. And I thought, wow, we really are making a difference when a total stranger will say something like that. There's something about us, not not us as individuals, but it's that spirit of God that's in us it, that emanates. Amen. Why do you think bugs hang around a light? They're drawn to the light, and they're drawn to the warmth, right? And that's how we were drawn. And that's how I want people to be drawn. I don't want them to be drawn by how well I speak or how good-looking I am. I want them to be drawn by the Jesus that's in me. I want to, I want to portray, represent him. I want my identity to be, that person's a Christian. That person walks different. Don't we want that? Amen. I don't want people to just say, oh, well, that's just so-and-so. Those people that I work with, they know there's a difference already. They, they can't put their finger on it, but they know there's a difference. And God is working all that out. And he's going to work it out. If we will just stick to our identity of who we are as apostolics. For I am not ashamed, the Bible says. Of the gospel of Christ. What's the gospel? The good news. What's the good news? That Jesus died for us. And what, what did he do when he died for us? He gave us a way back into the kingdom. 
And when we, when we stepped into that place, when we, when we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was overwhelming. Can I get somebody to say amen? Amen. When I came out of that water, they said, how do you feel? And I was like stuttering. I was just speechless. I didn't know what to say because I didn't know what to say. I, I couldn't explain it. The words weren't in my vocabulary to explain how I felt. And why wouldn't we want somebody else to have that? Right? So if I'm going to identify as one of his, then I'm going to have to put up with some stuff. Amen. And in the book of uh, Acts chapter 7, there was a, a guy named Saul. I think you probably know who I might know who I'm talking about. They called him Paul. And he was persecuting the Christians. He was persecuting the apostolics because of what they stood for. And God was kind of using that to, to disperse them, but we're going to have to be willing to, to suffer some things for the sake of who it is that we identify with. Right? When I was in the military, everybody doesn't like military people. And you find out real quick who don't. Right? But you have to be willing to stand up and, and say, I, I represent this and I'm, I'm not going to back down. This is who I am. Right? Amen. This is who I am. And so our identity is important. Let's go to Judges chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. Judges 8. Verse 18 19, Then said he unto Zeba and Zalmunna, What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, As thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king. Huh. And they, and he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother, as the Lord liveth. If ye had saved them alive, I would not slay you. So how did this guy identify these two guys that he killed. Well, they look just like you. They look like sons of kings. So they had an identity that gave them away. So the question is why? Why do we want to maintain our identity? Why is it important? Why can't we just quietly be apostolics and if everybody just leave us alone, we'll all just be fine? Well, let's, let's just say that I'm thankful that somebody didn't take that attitude with their identity as an apostolic, as a Pentecostal, as a Christian, when it came to bringing me to, to this way, this truth. Because thank God there was somebody there that was willing to get outside of who they were and, and love me enough to tell me about this truth and give me that chance to make, make a decision whether I wanted to serve Christ or not. Well, they didn't just say, well, I'm just going to, I've got my identity. I'm just going to keep it to myself. Thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to go for a couple of verses there. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. See, they're identifying with Jesus already. This is right after 
the day of Pentecost. They're already out there saying, this is who we are, this is what we believe, and we're not going to be shy about it. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and a number of them was about 5,000. It was already too late. They already got to 5,000 of them. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Anus and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. They're going to do something about this. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? What, what do you think you're doing? Coming in here and preaching all this stuff. Who do you think you are? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, it's important to be filled with the Holy Ghost when you're going to speak to some people about this truth. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he was made is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth came ye, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Next verse. This is the stone which was set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They had the opportunity. They were brought before this group of people, and they weren't going to let an opportunity go to waste. So they were going to go ahead and preach the gospel to these guys while they had the chance. Neither is there salvation. Okay, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they weren't religious people like those guys were, the religious Jews, but they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They were one of his. That's what the problem was. Because these guys had a problem with Jesus when he was walking on the earth. Now we got some of his other followers that are doing the same thing he did, and, and they're out here converting people, and we got to do something about this. And so we're going to Pull them in here and tell them to stop it. Right? Why? Because they identified them with the one that they put on the cross. And let's go to the next verse. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When you got the power of God working for you, they might have something to say, but really they ain't got nothing to say. Next verse. That when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them and is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. They're not going to be able to deny this. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no more in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. Did they listen? Of course they did. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whatever it is, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. 
Keep going. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how that they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Next verse. For the man who was above 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing was showed, and being let go, they went their own company and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So they were excited. They were glad. They, it, it gave them a thrill to know that they had been called before the Sanhedrin, that they had been dragged before these guys, all because they were identifying with Jesus Christ. So it's not going to be always an easy road to, to identify as one of his, is it? But if we know that what we have is real, and we know what we have is is the real thing. We know not because somebody told us, not, not necessarily because we read it in the book, because we have our own experience. Nobody's going to tell us otherwise. And we are, we are going to be willing to endure whatever it takes. I mean, we've got people in this world that are being disowned by their own families in other countries because they're choosing to follow Jesus Christ. Some of them are being put to death by their own fathers, their own families, because they are walking away from something they realize isn't right, isn't true, isn't real. And they found something that's real. They, when they feel Jesus and when they, they have that experience, nothing can shake that. And so we need to be like that. In Acts 5:27 through 42, I'm not going to go there and read it, but he celebrated, they celebrated the fact that they were persecuted. They celebrated the fact that they had apostolic identity and that they got persecuted for it. And this is what Jesus told them. Wasn't it when he left? He said, "If you, because you felt, choose to follow me, they're, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They give me a hard time? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so we've got to decide. You know, that song says, I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. Nobody's making me do this. This is how I choose to live. You decide for you and I'll decide for me. And what did, what did uh, Joshua say? As for me, and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you, but as for me and my house, we're going to we're going to identify with the one who saved us. Right? I'm going to stand for the thing that changed my life. So we've got to do some things to maintain our identity. It's not enough to come to hear somebody teach a Bible study or come to a church service and hear the Word of God preached and and that Word is planted in us and we start to stew on that, we start to think about that, and we start to consider it just like I did. I started hearing this thing about baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost, and I'd never heard it before, but it, it intrigued me, it interests me, and so I kept thinking about it. And I kept going to that church, and I kept hearing them pray about it, and I kept observing 
the people around me that had this experience and it, how it changed their life. And one day there came a day where I said, you know what? I got to do this. And so I did it, but it didn't stop there. What did I have to do? I had to keep being faithful to the house of God. I had to keep coming in here in that preaching, but I had to go beyond that. I had to start learning it for myself. Second Timothy 2.15 says, what? Who wants to quote that? I'll give you the first word, study. You, it's, what is, what is that script? What is, what is Paul saying to Timothy? It's up to you. You got to study. It's not going to be convenient. But if you've got what you, if got, if you've got this thing in you, then I, I want to know all there is to know about it that I can know so that I know that I know that I know why, I, why I'm saved, why I live holy, why I live separated. Not because pastor told me to. Right? I don't want to have to say that to somebody. Well, this is how I live because this is what my church believes. What about what if, what if I don't, just because my church believes it, I got to believe it. I got to believe it. I got to make this who I am so that there's no problem when somebody asks me, you know, the Bible says, be ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you. And you're going to have opportunities to tell people about your testimony, and you're not going to be able to turn around and go, hey, pastor, can you, can you tell them? We can't do that. God's going to open doors of opportunity for you on the job or wherever it is you are to say something to somebody. You better be ready. You better know this. Not, I'm not talking about head knowledge. If it's in here, if it's in your heart, if you've made this, who you are, if you've chosen this as your identity, it's not going to be hard. And and Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. When the moment comes, the Holy Ghost will give you what to say. It'll come out of your mouth and you won't even know where, you'll be thinking, where'd that come from? But that's why it's important to study, to read this word every day. Man, you know, we, we have... There was an announcement up there about fasting, and I believe fasting is important for me. I, I got to get my flesh out of the way so that God can deal with me. And so if I got to put some food aside for a little while, so be it, or some technology or whatever it is. But really, in all honesty, how many of us miss like missing meals? Nobody? No takers? I just can, can just raise your hand and say, I really enjoy not eating. No, most of us won't miss a meal, right? It might just be a banana, but most of us won't miss a meal. Unless we're choosing to, right? To fast or, or whatever. Sometimes you gotta fast for medical things. You, you don't choose to miss a meal, but you do what's necessary. So why would we not feed ourselves with this word? We eat every day. You know, the Bible calls it the sincere milk of the word. We need to, we need it in our life because trust me, the more you put in you, it's like putting money in the bank. The more of this word that you get inside of here, it, it acts like a filter. And when, when things happen in your life, you, you almost start running it through the filter and, and it becomes automatic after a while. And you're thinking, wait, is that in the book? Nope, that's not in the book. I'm not doing that. So we need this word. 
so that when those moments come, we, we have it to draw from. Right? And you're not just going to get it here on Wednesdays and Sundays. Right? You know, I love some of my brother's Bible back there. I have one just like that that I don't bring here, but I've almost highlighted and written on every page in that book for my own personal notes. We need to have something like that. That shows me, that shows an individual that's looking at that. Like the first Bible I ever got when I when I came into this truth was somebody a Bible somebody gave me that it belonged to a family member that had passed away, and it was an old Bible. And it was highlighted, and I had never seen that in my life. I mean, different colors of highlight and pages ripped and taped and, you know. But it was interesting to see the notes that this person had written in there and all the, it was like you could almost pick their life out of that book. Because this scripture spoke to them about this and this scripture spoke to them about this. So we got to maintain this identity on our own. We maintain our personal identity, don't we? That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? You don't just walk around with a, a sandwich board on your back that's got your social security number on it, just give away all your information every day. We protect our own identity, right, in this world that we live in. Why not make sure we have all the tools that we need to pr- not protect but to maintain our identity as apostolics? When I was out there in the world, I choose, I chose that identity. Oh, there's that guy. He's, he's the one that's always going to the bar. Oh, oh, there's that guy. He's the one that's always late for work or there's, you know, we, we kind of have an identity sometimes with people. There's that guy. He's always talking about Jesus. He's always smiling. He's always whistling, always singing a song. There's that guy. I've had people ask me, would you stop it? can't help it you know i just can't help it and this is who i am why would i want to hide that why amen i want to take as many people with me as i can you know it's like you want to say if you only knew where jesus brought me from you wouldn't be critical of of what you see in me right he brought some of us from a mighty long way, didn't he? So we got to do these things. We, we've got to maintain our identity. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that praying always with all prayer. There's so many things, and I'm running out of time, but we've got to do the things that are necessary to maintain and to protect and to keep our identity to make sure that 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 when people see us, they see the Jesus in me. There's a song about that. About seeing the Jesus in me. I want them to see the Jesus in me. Amen. They used to see the other guy in me before. But I, now I want them to see there's a difference in me. Amen. Praise God. I hope this was all right this morning. Father, we love you today. and We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to minister. I pray that I've said some things that you wanted me to say that that the people in this place have received the things that you wanted them to receive, that you have ministered in this place. And bless us and go with us as we go on our break and bring us back here again at 1030 for the next part of the service. In Jesus' name, amen.